This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 37 today. The Hideki Okajima episode, also huge Netflix proponent, Nick Pavetta episode. This is the official podcast of Red Sox Twitter Meltdowns, also known as the official Red Sox podcast of WEI. I got the boys back today. Both Sammy and Pat are back today. I want to start, Pat, how do you feel it, man? You were, you were on your deathbed a couple days ago, and now, and now you're back. You're back home. I am. I'm back home, back in good old Massachusetts, laying low for the week. Feeling pretty good today. We'll take it. Feel much better, 100%. You sound like you're like 60, like 60%, not 60 years old, 60%. All right. Well, appreciate it. Thank you. Something like you're 60%. Sammy, Sammy, you were at the B's. They lost. Yeah, yeah. They lost, but what an experience. The Garden experience is why I go to the games. So I had a good time, even though the uh, team on the ice was bad. <laughs> and no, I had a good time. Jokes aside, I went with my dad. Uh, he just moved back to Massachusetts um, recently. Like the first time he'd been to a Bruins game in like 20 plus years so we had a good time despite the loss wow that's a biggie 20 plus years i remember i i went to a Sox game with my uncle when i was like a kid and it was first game in like 25 years and he didn't go because he went to like 20 of them before the age of like 30 and they lost every single one of them so he just barred himself from going <laughs> it's always good to go with people who haven't been in a long time especially when they're like legitimate fans too and it's just like such a special experience because like we live here we get to go to these games, but you know, there's a lot of fans from across the country. Like we got Sox have international fans, and a lot of these people don't get to go to the ballpark. Gordo, you might actually go as far to say that uh, the Sox specifically are focusing a bit too much on those people who are not from here um, and don't regularly go to Fenway Park. But we don't have to. We don't have to get into that again now. All you gotta All you gotta know is that's it's the Fenway experience, Sammy. The Fenway experience. Fenway experience. Experience. Oh yeah, baby. But before we get to the to the meat and the bones of uh of today's show, the Sox made a big free agent splash for a former All Star, former Rookie of the Year. It's Michael Fulmer, who is injured and not going to pitch this year, and he's not close to the level that he was when he was an All Star and Rookie of the Year. He's now a solid relief pitcher. However, he is now having Elbow sur- or he had elbow surgery for, I want to say, the second time, though it's not Tommy John. But just quick thoughts on Michael Fulmer from you guys before we, uh, before we get into the meat. What do you guys got? Any reactions, Pat? Yeah, he 
kind of had Tommy John. He got Tommy John is in it- 2019. It failed. So he got a revision, which is they go in and do it again. Is that kind of what happened they to Evaldi? Didn't Evaldi have that? Like he got Tommy John there to like fix it up? Probably a little different. Yeah. It's like once the initial like reconstruction fails, they have to go in and like fix it. It's a reconstruction. So he didn't get like a new Tommy John. They just fixed the Tommy John that he pretty much already had or fixed. What so, how did, so how did he pitch on that? Because you said he had the other one in what, 19? So he pitched for three years on failed Tommy John. Well, it like after it healed, he's good. He probably reached the point of like a normal UCL where it just blew out again. Ah, so what's the yeah. difference between this and like actually needing a second Tommy John? It's pretty much the same thing. Ah, sick. Yeah, Love revision Revision is just um, like another reconstruction. So, I mean, he's out for a year. I guess that would make yeah. sense. He is yeah, yeah, yeah. following a similar timeline. Yep. It's but, so cool. I mean, that like, I, I hope they just keep doing this, kind of, just because it's funny. Keep getting these guys who cost nothing. I mean, it can't hurt. Nothing bad can come of the signing. It's a minor league deal. So it's just upside, but people just have the biggest meltdowns. And I get it. I get it. Like the, oh, are you going to focus on the team this year? Like, yeah, I want that too. But that doesn't mean we can't be like, oh, nice. You got a former all-star closer. Cool. I think it's so funny. I think it's it's just good business. Like, yeah, yeah. there's a guy out there with insane upside who he's out for the whole year. But at the same point, like you take the smallest gamble on someone working out and being like a very like good piece for you next year. They did it with Paxson. They should do it with Woodruff. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, Pat. Is if they did this with Brandon Woodruff, I don't think anyone would be saying would be complaining. Oh, they're not focusing on twenty four. They're on to twenty five. I think people would recognize the good business because Woodruff is a bigger name. And I hope I hope they do do it with Woodruff. I just don't think they're gonna because he costs a little bit more. But I did think cool? like like heading into next season. And I hate that we're already talking about next season, but. Before the season even starts, we're already talking about the next one. God, we're down bad. But that'd be kind of cool to go into next year knowing you get a uh, rotation and bullpen boost right off the bat. It'd be yeah. more than, than this year. <laughs> no, no kidding. It would it would slice your next offseason's to-do list almost in half. Wonder what I thought of today after that Matt Moore contract? That is what? the only move the Red Sox have made that helps next year's team. The Fulmer? Yep. O'Neill huh. trade, free agent. Giolito, it opts out. He'll be gone. Uh, who am I missing? Grissom. Grissom. Okay. Grissom, Grissom. He's, not, he's yeah. not a free agent. Yeah, Grissom. If you but want yeah, to vote, yeah, Giolito, like, Giolito stinks in 2024, then maybe he stays. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> no, he's but back to, the, uh, back to the reactions. That's why I opened the podcast with Sox Twitter meltdowns. I couldn't believe because I saw the Fulmer thing when I when I saw the headline. I didn't know that he's out for the year, so I started writing my tweet and I included the little breaking thing, which I should have gone back and removed. But I think people freaked out about it because I included the that tweet got over a fucking million views because of people freaking out. Is he breaking? You know what's Mike Fulmer got a million views. Big full. What are I saw what are like uh, I saw a bunch of people do the same thing where they they kind of reacted like oh okay nice addition for the re- oh wait never mind out for the season 
maybe next right. year. <laughs> we can't have anything. <laughs> but this yeah. should it should make riveting television because the Red Sox are going to have cameras following them around. And Coop and I went into this at length in the last show, but you guys weren't here for this, and you guys have some piping hot, fresh takes. We've been we've been talking in the group chat about this Netflix project for a couple of days now, and I know we have varying opinions on this. We actually have a couple of, of uh, items on the agenda today where we have varying opinions. It actually should make for uh, some extra good podcasting, but but I don't I don't even know where to start because there's so many different angles you could take Netflix Netflix wise. So I'm curious, why do you guys just give me give me a, give me an honest to god take on where your head's at with it? Um. So of course. The the biggest thing for me right now is being positive about anything Red Sox related because it's hard to do at the moment. The team doesn't look great on paper. The vibe of the fan base is underground at this point. It's not even in the dirt. It's underneath the dirt. So initially when I heard the announcement, you know, I rolled my eyes, of course, everything but make the team better. But, you know, I slept on it and everything. Still today, I'm not like over the moon interested in watching it. I'll probably watch bits and pieces of it. I'm not going to watch none of it like I initially thought I would. The one thing that gives me a little bit of interest is the fact that Red Sox don't have last cut or last edit. Excuse me, I'm not sure of the the technical TV term, but Netflix is the one that's going to edit it in the end. So if the Red Sox are operating you know, in poor faith or just in an ugly way, I hope we'll see it just so the world sees it and it's not just us in our little bubble screaming like Walter White in the van <laughs> in that scene when Hank's about to get popped. Sorry for spoilers. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad by now, figure it out. But yeah, so that's my one saving grace with this. Am I super interested in it? No. Do I understand why they picked the Red Sox? I actually do. It's the hard knocks formula. Go into and, that. Go into that. Why? Because that's my, that's my biggest question mark is why the socks? What what is your what's your theory? Well, first off, it's the hard knocks formula that the NFL has done, where they take a team that's struggling and building up. Just because it's more interesting to watch a team in turmoil try to turn over the leaf rather than watching you know some hunky dory. Everything's good here. We're cruising like a machine. I'm sure that's interesting as well. But I think is this people, your theory? Is this, yeah. is that, that's your, like that, that, they haven't said that, right? No, no, no. This is my theory. It's more interesting for people to see a, a team struggling because they want to see, like, they want to see how you get over that. Sure, it's interesting if you have the Dodgers, which personally, I would have gone with the Dodgers. I don't know how you don't do that. But my thinking is that Netflix's thinking was hard knocks formula. And then the Boston Red Sox are a hell of a lot more popular than the White Sox or like, the Rockies. People aren't going to tune in for that. But you get a popular team like the Red Sox that's bad and going through a lot of stuff. I guess that makes for interesting television. That's just my guess. I don't love the idea, but I, that's that's how I, I would put it, I guess. Can I give you my guess as to why it ended up being the Red Sox? Because like, <clears throat> I'm sure there's something to what you said, and I think there's a lot of teams that probably were not interested in this. Like, I'd be surprised if the Red Sox were their first choice and they just got the go-ahead. But I, I think that the Red Sox understand, I mean, God, how can you not understand? Like, attendance numbers and certainly TV ratings are down across the board. And the Red Sox are kind of looking for any way they can to boost interest in the team, to boost revenue, 
And I know they're not making any money directly off of this, but in the end, it is going to benefit them financially to have it. Like it's it's like if if more people have their eyes on you, it may not benefit you now, but it'll certainly benefit you in 2025 when a bunch of your players maybe turn into celebrities. But the Red Sox are now finding a new way creatively without spending money on player assets to increase interest in the team. Yeah. I think maybe that's how it ended up getting there. I don't, I would, I wish we knew. And like, maybe, maybe the Netflix director will do some interviews at some point and, uh, and say how they landed on the Red Sox for it. But I do like your point about, about them not having final cut. That was, that was really interesting to me. I think I was talking to someone who said that this director and like, it's well known that he's produced other Netflix documentaries like this. And one of them was the cheer one. I think it's called cheer. Yeah, and some people, yeah. some people in that supposedly came away looking pretty bad. So I'd be curious. Like, it's it's unlikely that unlikely that every single person that partakes in this thing from a Red Sox standpoint is going to come away looking good. So I'm curious who doesn't. Well, I mean, the guy's gotten a million different gigs like this. Not a million, but he's gotten a lot of different gigs like this in different sports. So I don't think he's someone who's dishonest when he makes someone look bad. So my guess, again, just guessing here with all these takes is that he is honest, and if you do something that will reflect poorly, he's not going to omit it from the final um, the final product. And Gordo, about the marketing part, how many times have I said this? The Red Sox need to attract the casual fans, or at least they want to attract the casual fans, because schmucks well, like us, we're always, yeah, we're always going to tune in. The, the four of us, we're always going to watch the, uh, the games. We're going to show up to Fenway. We're going to represent the team but it's the people who are on the fence that they're trying to get. So in lieu of building a competitive baseball team, I guess this is, you know, another shot to get these fans interested in the Red Sox long-term thing. Again, this is not me saying I agree with this formula, nor do I like it. This is just where I believe the Red Sox collective heads are at. Pat, I want to kick to you on this one. I've yeah, seen a lot I of mean, people asking this question, and I certainly ask it too. The Red Sox have known for prob- for quite some time. It's been in the works for three years that this is that this has been coming, and they've certainly known this entire offseason. So they said they were going to go full throttle while knowing they were going to be in a Netflix documentary series this coming season. And then they didn't, at least to this point, and it's unlikely that it's going to happen. They haven't improved the team, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And from an ownership perspective, they're cutting the budget. So what, like, why? Why the hell would they cut the budget and make themselves from an ownership standpoint look like they care less about the team as it's being broadcast to the world? Yeah, I I don't know. Like, if you knew this was coming and you knew that there was going to be cameras on, you you know how big of like a production this is going to be, especially knowing what the director's done, what Netflix has obviously done, and you do legitimately nothing to peak interest within your own fan base, never mind outside viewers. In like it's a 162 game season. It's a long season. Like frustrations are going to build up if the team sucks. In seeing like that behind the scenes stuff of guys not necessarily going at each other, but like what a broken locker room looks like. I don't think they realize like the repercussions that this could have on not even like the team this year, but like marketing yourselves to free agents. Like the one thing I do appreciate, and I think it's the reason they're doing this, is it's bigger than the Red Sox. Like 
for the past 10 years, it feels like it's been this giant thing about how baseball can't market itself. Players can't be marketable. Baseball doesn't do this. Baseball doesn't do that. This is what baseball needs. It sucks that it's the Red Sox right now, but that like worldwide exposure, like the behind the scenes look, kicking up interest everywhere. Like that's- You think it sucks? You think it sucks that it's the Red Sox? I don't know. I think yeah, it sucks that's the Red Sox watch. this year. You never, you like watching hard knocks. You never want your team to be on hard knocks. Yeah. Yeah, like it. I want my teams on hard knocks. I that's where I like. I know the Patriots would never. Or I guess I'm, maybe again, now they're kind of in line to potentially be one of those teams. But like, I would I would be fascinated because that's the one issue I I have with hard knocks is all of these stories are about these like, and then this is this I guess could get into another point. But like, it's all about these usually guys that you've never heard of. And like, sometimes they go into a little bit, like they had some Aaron Rodgers stuff last year. I didn't watch the entire season, but the episodes I did watch certainly feel or uh, featured a lot of Aaron Rodgers, but there's a lot of lower tier guys that they kind of make stories out of, and they kind of make names for themselves as TV stars, even if they don't even make the team. I actually think that could be like a good part of this. And doesn't necessarily, or there's why I don't necessarily have a problem from a Netflix standpoint with the Red Sox not having as many stars, because I feel like so much about this doc is going to be on guys that you wouldn't even think are stars. Like I asked Coop in the last episode who he thinks could be like someone, I don't know how we, how I phrase it, maybe the star of the doc or someone whose story would be really interesting for the doc. And he said Vaughn Grissom. And I thought that was a great answer. And mine was Brennan Bernardino. And these are both guys that have really interesting storylines. Vaughn Grissom, being the guy who was acquired for Chris Sale coming over, trying to play his first full big league season and make it in the show. Brennan Bernardino, we've talked about at length about his background and his story. And that would, I mean, he is a fascinating person. Like these guys are not necessarily established big league stars, but their stories would make for good, big for good TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's yeah. I just don't think it necessarily needs to be like Devers, stealing like having the whole show and like in the past it would have been like devers bogarts jd like mookie Betts, like all these guys i think the lower tier guys have a lot to offer for something like this it, and i hate i hate to be the this guy but devers is not a global star he's popular in boston i'm sure people around baseball they all know who Raphael devers is but you're not going to find many casual fans on like the west coast who are super familiar with him as much as i hate to say it that's just a fact. So when I see people saying, better hurry up and sign Jordan Montgomery, this documentary is going, what do you think Jordan Montgomery is going to do for viewership of a documentary on Netflix designed for casual fans? It's Nothing. True. Zero. Go so, get Bauer. Yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> well, hey, you want you to <laughs> you, you sell your soul and get people to, to, to hate watch? Because people will go, you know, like it, it's, I don't want to compare it to anything, but you know, when there's a heel in like a fight or in wrestling, everyone fucking hates this person, but you're still going to tune in and watch because you want to see them lose. They're going to tune in and watch because they want to see Trevor Bauer fail, whether it's right or wrong. So that's what I, I don't want that to happen to be abundantly clear. I do not want Trevor Bauer on the Red Sorry. Sox. Jesus, if you're the Netflix executives, the Netflix executives don't agree, Sammy, they, they oh, would want it. They want, yeah. Oh my God. They want that. Do you know how much drama they would capture oh. with that guy? And he's got his cameras and shit. Oh my God. And like, be it's not even just about his past. He's also such, just like such a weird guy in general. Like 
even if you wiped out everything that he has, all the baggage that he brings, like he they they would they would eat that up regardless. But internet that's kid. he's an internet kid. Yeah, that that it just would never happen. They they he's will like not. A, he's like baseball's four chan. That's Trevor Bauer. He's like a just like a total. Do you know what four chan is? No. Oh God, four chan is like the most neckbeard. <laughs> incel weird website where oh god don't it just just look it up afterwards like it's it's they're like you share your memes on 4chan you don't want to be compared to 4chan and that's how i see trevor bauer is the 4chan of uh baseball it's not good anyway if net i'm sure netflix would love to have that dude on the red Sox. i'm sure the red Sox don't want that guy on the team yeah i don't think they do <laughs> pretty confident i'm pretty confident in saying that most fans don't want Trevor Bauer on the Red Sox, so let's not sign him. That's it's not. I don't even. I don't even consider it a scenario. I don't. No, he's he's a he's like a former Cy Young winner who's willing to take league minimum, and nobody has made him an offer. Read the tea leaves. Yeah, but just moving. Uh, any any before I move us on. Uh, any last thoughts on Netflix thing? Any burning thoughts? Yes. The yes. 2004 documentary is gonna rip. Oh yeah. That's, That's something so we didn't know awesome. about. Like we were tipped off to the uh, to the docu series on the 24 team. We were not told about the 04 documentary. Doc, which I agree, Pat. That thing's like I get. I get that it's going to be hard to top four days in October. Like we've all watched that probably uh, like 800 times combined, or maybe each. <laughs> like, but I mean, it, and it's modern interviews, modern technology. Maybe there's unseen footage. Like who the hell knows? Like. They wouldn't produce a documentary on it if they didn't think they had something new and fresh to offer. Hey, so we, we found out new, new stuff today. We found uh, new information about Pedro Martinez today. He requested yep. what three times when he was with Montreal to be traded to the Yankees. This is before he had any Red Sox connection. It didn't happen. He ends up getting traded to the rival team, the Red Sox, and massacring the Yankees, and their fan base still isn't over it. So... Maybe there is more stuff. The 2004 part, everyone's going to be in on that. My one thing, and I'm sorry to turn it negative again, I don't want to become like Yankees and Cowboys fans where everything is about, remember 20 years ago? Remember yeah. how great the team was 20 years ago? Like the, the varsity jacket kind of fans. I don't want to be like that. So I'll enjoy it a little bit, but I'm still, my the bulk of my emotion and feeling towards the Red Sox is dictated by the team that's on the field, as well as how I think the future will go with that team. So I'm still not feeling good about it. Uh, it's nice that I guess we can get an inside look at the turmoil if it comes to that after the season. But yeah, it, my vibes are still not doing great. No, and they shouldn't be like that. I think it's, I think it's for me, like I'm personally super excited about the about the docuseries i'm gonna watch every second of it and like i'm gonna be excited for it regardless of how the season goes but that doesn't change how i feel about about the upcoming season and the fact that it doesn't feel like they're fully putting or i don't even want to say fully like they're putting even remotely close to their best foot forward to put a competitive product on the field and we watch every single goddamn game and like like side aside from the players, because obviously it impacts them the most. Like we're we're the people that it, that impacts the most after them. So you, you really they really have to find a way to humanize these guys. Cause like Tristan Costas, for example, 
It was cool watching him do like the thing where he went to the nail salon and talked about his mom. Cool. Now what? You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, or it's going to wear thin. I think yep. um, uh, UFC does a good job. They showed they have a, a series called uh, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Pat, you might know, but it's like they show the fighters before the fight and they show the fighters after the fight. Oh, it's called a the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory. Something, something like, like that. Yeah. It's like you really, really, really see the human side of these athletes who on camera, they're stone cold, like professional athlete. They'll knock you out. They're not afraid to get knocked out. But then you see them being emotional backstage or nervous before the fight or, you know, heartbroken after the fight or relieved after the fights, stuff like that. That's cool. I don't know what the baseball equivalent is to that. If they could get some locker room footage of maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Dick Fitz gets called up at the end of the season. It's late in September. I know that's unlikely, but he gets called up late in the season. He's making his first start and he's fucking nervous as hell. Uh, like underneath Fenway pacing around and they're, t- they're getting him on camera. That's cool. And then he pitches well, maybe. And you go, wow, look how nervous he was. He overcame it. The rookie they got from the Yankees, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. I don't want like, here's Yoshida on a bike coming to Fenway. He's so funny, isn't he? No, you're yeah. right, Sammy. That Great. the up and to, to me, it's the up and down guys capturing the life of like, remember Tanner Houck's first year where not 2020, it was 2021. When he got optioned like 10, I know they changed the rules since then, but he got optioned like 10 times. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. An insight into what his life was like that year would be fascinating. So yeah, I hope, that's I hope cool. they that's focus cool. on guys like that. They're going to have to focus on a bunch of different guys and a lot of different stories. And they're going to put a ton of work into it, ton of footage. This thing doesn't come out until 2025. So months and months <laughs> to edit it. Bless you, sir. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, the, the key is they got to get raw emotion. It's got to be real. Can't be them putting on an act for the camera. That stuff is so obvious. So um, at least we know why they didn't pick the Yankees. <laughs> Boring robots, guys. Yeah. Well, to close it, we've talked to a few of the guys on the team about it, and they all seem open to it, <laughs> excited about it. Like, it should be a fun experience. So I don't think... I don't think it's a it's a case where they're necessarily lying. Like when when Adam Grossman, the CMO of the Red Sox, tells us that the players have bought into it, I don't think he's lying. So I think I think it should be good. But I'll, I'll move us forward here. So to, we'll get to the second topic because we've had some Red Sox trade updates in recent days, and it started with John Heyman uh, talking about both Jaron Duran and Kenley Jansen. It seems as, as though he expects Kenley Jansen to get traded and that his words were he wouldn't be surprised if Jaron Duran was traded. You and then John Morosi. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yeah, do your Heyman. Do your Heyman. Uh, the Red Sox are on the verge of uh, trading Kenley Jansen. Go Yankees. Uh, maybe to the Padres <laughs> or the Dodgers or the Yankees. I mean, not the Yankees, the Royals. And uh, God, I love Aaron Judge and Scott Boris so much. And Jaron Duran might get traded to the Padres too. I'm John Heyman. I have a hand in my butt. I can do John Morrissey real quick. Yeah, please. Do it, do it. Confirmed. Shohei Otani is on the plane to Toronto, Canada. Hey, he handled that so well. He 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 hand up, took it on the chin. So yeah, he did. He's also, like, like in his voice crack. Doesn't John Morosi just seem like he's like the most wholesome dude ever? Yeah, he does. That's why he <laughs> just when he that he's one. just always got a smile on his face. I, I saw him at the winter at the winter meetings, walking around. He's the same guy off the camera too. Just in, he's, I don't he's know, just like a ball dude. of energy too. Me and Coop yeah. saw him. Uh, when we went to Poppy's Hall of Fame induction, he was doing like TV outside and like in between, he's like turning to the crowds. Hi, hi, how are you? Oh, great to see you. Thank you so much. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's out there. He's a man. Well, he he also said that Kenley Jansen's drawn a lot of interest and his his line was basically like they're going to try to get pitching depth or they're going to offload his salary to try to make a free agent signing. But Dennis Lynn of The Athletic had the thing today, today as we're recording, uh, that the Red Sox could be a potential outfield trade partner. Uh, one, because they they only have Tatis out there. So with the Padres, yeah, with the Padres. Yeah, with the Padres. So they could trade, they'd be a trade partner for an outfielder with the Padres. And I think just because of Heyman's report and like a bunch of other things that have come out, a lot of people's minds went to Jaron Duran. And uh, I want to kick it to Sammy, because Sammy had a tweet that Drew, I want to say, I don't want to say mixed reviews, but mixed opinions. Oh, yeah. yeah. So dive, you dive into that, Sammy. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so I love to do the, um, you know, the fake trades and everything. And in looking at the Padres, they don't really have any major league pitching that I think the Red Sox would want. Um, if you go up and down, like they have you Darvish, who's on a huge contract coming off a bad year. Musgrove has a no trade clause. I'm sure the Red Sox would love to add him, but that's tough with that uh, contract. Mike King, they just got, they're not going to trade him. And the rest are kind of like fringy guys, which the Red Sox have plenty of. So my idea was to ask the Padres for their second best pitching prospect, Dylan Lesko, 20 years old, throws hard, great changeup. 
Uh, I already had Tommy John, so hopefully he's, you know, over that hump. And um, yeah, I think the tough thing is uh, Duran has a huge ceiling and a huge floor. There's a very, very large spectrum in terms of how he can end up, uh, even in just 2024. So it would really have to be with a team that believes in him uh, if you're going to get a prospect like Lesko. Now, here's where the controversy came in. I personally think if the Red Sox somehow could pull off a trade, Duran and a little bit more for Lesko, uh, a very good pitching prospect, that's a slam dunk. I would be all over the Craig Breslow train. I think that's incredible. Big chunk, chunk, bleh, big chunk of the comments on my post said, you have to get major league talent. Gordo, you had that comment initially. I think you were the first one to say it. And my response would be, why? We're already talking about trading the closer. They don't even have a full rotation. We've discussed uh, last week about shipping off the expiring deals because they're not, you know, they don't look like they're contending, the Red Sox, that is. So why the major league talent over the top flight pitching prospect who probably won't be major league ready till like 2026-ish? You just answered it. (laughs) You just answered it for yourself. The Red Sox are not in the position that they were in, say, we'll say like 2020. And obviously save for 2021, which is great. But in 2020, it became evident that the Red Sox were several years away from contending. Uh, Anyone with one year, two years left on their deals may or may not have value at that point. But the issue with doing something like that now, Sammy, is you've got young guys that are that are up and ready to go, like Bayo and Casas, just to name a couple. And then you've got the next wave of guys that we've talked about at nauseum all offseason, the next wave that are all right around a year away from the major league level. So this team, even worst case scenario, is a year away from being a legitimate contender. So if, if we're talking about a rental, by all means – yeah, trade trade a rental for any sort of high upside guy. Like the Red Sox probably aren't going to compete in 2024, so we'll take the guy we think have upside. But Duran, if you if you forgot, like I was I was watching a YouTube video with a bunch of Jaron Duran highlights. Uh, shout out Red Bay Radio for that one. He had a bunch of Jaron Duran highlights in his video, and and like it just brought me back to how electric he was his rookie year, or not his oh, yeah. rookie year, his first full season. So. Yeah. This is a guy with five years of control who's already shown that he can perform at the big league level at an all-star level. I don't know if he's going to do that again, but if I'm going to take that much production off of my roster, it needs to be for something that's going to be able to help me compete at worst case scenario next year when the big wave of prospects that the Red Sox have comes up. That's where I'm at. I I hear you, but also – 2022, Jaron Duran, 645 OPS, really bad defense. The year before, 578 OPS, really bad defense. So like I said, he's got a really, really low floor to go along with that equally high ceiling. So I'm not, I don't envision teams out there giving up a cost-controlled, impactful starting pitcher. I think if you want to get an impactful pitcher with Jaron Duran, your best bet is via a prospect and then developing him. Now, if you'd rather trade Duran for like a 
fifth starter who has control just because it's, you know, it's an MLB pitcher, eats innings, steady, totally fine. Not my preference, but I get that. I could get behind that. I just don't think you're going to get, you know, a three, let alone a two, certainly not a one for a guy like Duran with such limited success. You know, it would have to be the absolute perfect storm. So it would be more of a trade package if you're going to get someone like that. But for Duran alone, why... Why why is your head going to fifth starter? Because Jared Duran has shown that he can produce like an all-star and has five years of control. I understand that he should not have be valued the same way as a guy who is an all-star and has not shown us that he's like because obviously Jared Duran comes with a little extra baggage because he had those multiple years where he didn't produce, but he's coming off an all-star caliber season and he has five years of control. So I don't understand why the Red Sox would entertain any sort of like prospect that's really far away and may not even make majors or fourth, fifth starter. Like if if you're trading away someone with all-star upside, I want to get someone with all-star upside. I'm curious. I want to kick to Pat on this because Pat, I want to know where's your head at with a Jaron Duran trade? Like would you, would you be willing to trade Duran for someone who's maybe two years away from the show? Yeah. So I, I think the value that Duran has outside of the Red Sox is not as high as people think. That being said, I don't know what you necessarily would add to Duran to get like a Snelling or a Lesko. I think I would just straight up prefer to trade like a Willie or a Brayu for someone like their eight or nine pitching prospect, like eight or nine in their top 10 pitching prospect. Like that to me is kind of like, okay, like an Abreu, like he showed a little bit of flash. We don't really know what he's going to be we can wait a year or two for this guy to come up and we still don't really hurt our everyday lineup. That is the kind of trade that I think makes sense from both perspectives. The Red Sox really give up a giant, what could be a giant part of that lineup and get back something that could be a nice little return in a couple of years. That to me makes sense. I don't like, I would love the idea of adding Lesko or uh, Robbie Snelling, but just thinking like what the Sox could slash would add I don't know. And then then you have to ask yourself, what if you have a Mick Abel situation? We know how much I hate Mick Abel. But like <laughs> someone who is like a top prospect, someone who does have all his trajectory, then all of a sudden he hit, does a Harry Owens, he hits double A and he just shits the bed. Like you're in a really rough situation if, Dur- if Durant pans out. Yeah. Pat, I, I agree with you. And I think the biggest part of that is that Durant's value outside of Boston is probably not as high as we think. And I feel like we're kind of forgetting he only played like a hundred games last year. That wasn't really a full season. He's got injury issues. He's got off the field issues, which I hate to bring up, but it's relevant. Teams are going to consider that the defense isn't great. You're getting off the field issues. You're talking about like the Kansas city thing. He missed some time. He said, because of mental health stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, I mean, it's awful. I hope he gets it figured out and I hate to bring it up. Like I said, but teams are going to consider this. We have to be real. Uh, He's also, you know, the defense isn't great. So there's a lot of negatives to go along with the positives. So if you're going to get someone, a major league talent, who's better than like a fifth starter or a fourth starter, you're going to really have to find that team that is all in on Jaron Duran. So a team that is just sold on the upside. They love that. They think the, the strikeouts they can live with. They think the power is legit, the gap to gap power. They think the defense is going to continue to improve. They think he's going to stay on the field. There's a lot of question marks with this guy. So, which is why my entire, you know, that big long post about trading for Lesko, I started it with, 
you know, I'd rather not trade this guy at all. Yes. I don't think well, you're going to get, like, you're, you're not going to get value equal to his upside. Does that make sense? Like, yes. you're not going to get anyone. Exactly. Yes, that's it. Yeah. But that's that's it right there. That's why they probably shouldn't do it. And I agree with both of you guys. You guys both agreed that Jaron Duran's value outside of Boston is probably not the same as we think it should be here. And that's probably right because of things you brought up. The defense is certainly a thing. But Sammy, how many games did you say you played last year? Like 104 or something? Wasn't it like, I don't know, like low? It was low, low hundreds. Like, here, I got it right here. One, uh, 102. He had 362 played appearances. So he had like like two, like three quarters so, of a season's worth of at-bats. It's not that Maybe much. not even. Maybe not even. But let's take Freddie Freeman out of the equation because, holy shit, he blew everyone out of the water in doubles. Jared Duran had 34 doubles. The second most doubles in baseball was Corey Seager at 42. Oh, yeah. No, like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, unbelievable upside. He could be a monster. But again, he could also be completely useless. <laughs> like the first it two really, years. It really just depends on, on which Jaron Duran you think is, is real. And obviously, it probably lies somewhere in the middle, which is why I think I, yeah. I think we all agree that you can't go into the year expecting Jaron Duran to do what he did last year. But I, I agree with what Pat said. I've as much as like I love what Thick Willie did, Willie or Brady, like as much as I love what he did last year, uh, one thing that Breslow talked about, I want to say more so in his intro press conference, but he, I'm sure he's since then is balancing out the organization, and yeah. that can that can happen at any level. Like yes, you could trade a Duran or Rafaela, one of the guys who you potentially see as your center fielder of the future, and. Another note, Durant's, Durant's defense got a lot better last year, so who says it can't take another step forward? It wouldn't count on it. But you could trade William Abreu and get, like, Abreu's probably what? Like, the Sox? Who says seven. no? Ready? Who says no? Okay, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay, William Abreu, one for one for Gyro Iriarte. This is uh, it, for 2023 rankings, Padres' seventh-ranked prospect, 22-year-old starting pitcher, had a good 2023. He's 6'2". Good fastball, decent changeup, has a slider, doesn't really know where the ball is going. It's a little bit like your boy Edward, but he's much younger uh, and more control. Would you do that? I'd have to learn a little more about the guy before before I give you an answer for that. But but you're you're right on. You're like you're you guys are on the right paths with your thinking where it's basically the Red Sox have to decide which of these guys do we like and do we want to keep? Yeah. And the one that we don't like as much. Where is the most we can get for him and when is the time to sell? Because if you're not sold on Jaron Duran, even though you're not going to get the value of the numbers that he produced last year, like based on what he produced last year, you should be getting an all-star caliber return. You're not going to get that. But if you don't believe in Jaron Duran, you don't think he's going to repeat that and you think he might be more so the Jaron Duran of 21 and 22, then it is the time to sell, even though you're not going to get that value. But if you do believe in the guy... Then yeah. it's time to maybe sell on Sedan Rafaela because he's he was just ranked in like the top fifty on Keith Law's list. Like there's going to be some team that sees him like that. And if you yeah, love both, then it's Willier. Like it's someone's got to go at some point. Some point yeah. this year, I think. Yeah, no, like before the season even starts, they have like four hundred outfielders on the roster right now. And um, Gordo, this is why I think that Jaron Duran for Edward Cabrera is like the perfect trade. They're they're similar guys at different positions. Huge yep. upside, huge floor. <laughs> you want to take a gamble? Gamble for gamble. There you go. The, Miami needs outfielders and offense in general. 
Red Sox need pitching. I still feel like that's the trade. That's been the trade we've been talking about. How many months have we been talking about like Duran ish for Edward Cabrera? Probably like, since the summer, right? No, it before makes, last off season, we were doing this. Probably, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to, uh, unless it's for Edward Cabrera, I don't really want to trade Duran just because, like I said, the the chances of finding a team who are that sold on the upside to the point where they're willing to like pay full price, I feel like that's so low. And that's why I thought the best alternative would be go with a prospect instead so that the Red Sox are incurring a, a risk as well. But um, you know, it was great. And this is the sign of, uh, w- when I, when I think I do a decent mock trade, the comments were like, this is an overpay for Boston. This is an overpay for San Diego. Red Sox say no. Padres say no. Red Sox need oh, MLB ready pitchers. Oh yeah. Boost the system. They need to boost the farm. It, I got an array of answers. So I'm like, all right, good. I, I did. If it's all like, if it's all the same answers, which happens sometimes I'm like, shit, this wasn't a good one. But if I yeah. get a mix, I'm like, yeah, and I got people thinking. So, yeah, All I don't right. know. I, I would just keep Duran. I've got a question. It's a two-part question. I'm going to go with both of you. Uh, I'll start I'll start with Pat. Which – okay, I'm going to give you three outfielders. You've got Duran, Sedan Rafaela, William Abreu. Which one, if you had to trade one, would you trade? And, like, you can take all the factors into account, like what you're going to get and which one you're highest on, whatever. So which one would you trade? And which one do you think they're most likely to trade? I would trade Sedan. And I think the most likely is Duran, even though I don't like it. Sammy, same question. I feel it, that's impossible to answer because it would depend on I, I would trade I would trade any of those three depending on the offer. There's none none of those well, guys. Think about would- it. Think about it like this. Who would, would you think would get like you, you can take into account who you think would get the best return. Oh, Rafaela, then for sure. He's he's a top one hundred prospect, much higher on some lists, high floor guy. Um, you know, barring some team, like I said, being nuts over Duran, I think Rafaela would get you the most. Um, and I think the guy I'd want to trade least is Duran for the reason we just talked about. I feel like you would be potentially selling yourself short if you're the Red Sox selling Duran. So. Uh, who do you I, think I, is I the most know. likely? Who's the most, most likely to be traded? Most likely, out of those oh, three, yeah. it might be it might be Abreu, man, because he's a Ooh. prospect. He looked good in his cup of coffee, and he's a lefty. They have a ton of lefties. They have a ton of outfielders, and you know the team control is probably attractive to teams. I don't don't trade my boy Thick Willie. I'll be so upset if that happens. <laughs> that's my that's my my guess. That's who I think is most likely, and I think that's. I think that would be controversial if you pulled fans. I think most people would say Rafaela because he has the pedigree. But I think that cup of coffee that uh, William Brayu, you know, showed last year, I think that's going to go a long way in the uh, trade market. I agree. And it's not like he's any slouch in AAA. Like, he had a great season last year. Oh, yeah. To answer my own question. Uh, outfield plays everywhere, too. He can play left, yeah. right, center. So that that's another bonus. And he's vibes, man. He's vibes. It's, I struggle with it. To answer my own question, so the one that I would trade is sit on Rafael just because personally, I if I'm not confident in your bat at the major league level and there are teams that value you as highly as some team out there certainly does, I would I would be fine doing it. I'm just not confident enough in his bat. I hope he proves me wrong and I hope I hope he lives up to all of the potential that he has. Uh, 
but I need to see it. Who do I think is the most likely? I'm kind of stuck between both of your answers, and I tend to lean towards Duran only because of the reports that we heard. I would think that Willier would be the easiest to trade just because I feel like Duran is so polarizing just because of, of the two sides of him that we've seen, the ceiling and the floor. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Who would I trade? Rafaela, because I think he would get a big return, and I'm not necessarily confident in his bat. Who do I think is most likely to be dealt? Sadly for me, I would say Duran is most likely to be dealt. Uh, I'm so high on Rafaela. I love that guy. I think like he barely has to hit to be valuable. Like just, you don't even need to be league average. Like I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but like that <laughs> shaking his head. But you got a guy who plays like elite shortstop in center field. Have you ever heard of that? You got to balance out the lineup if you're going to. If you, and I agree, I agree. He has a high floor because of that. But you got to balance out the lineup. Like you can't have a, a dark hole at. They, and like by the time Rafael would would start, you'd hopefully have Kyle Teal in there hitting. But right now, Connor Wong is not a very good offensive catcher, and you need good offensive players to both shortstop and second base. Like I'm, I'm only willing in a year where we compete, where we see the Red Sox compete, to see them have one true dark hole in the lineup. And if Sedan is that dark hole, like you're gonna have to fill out the rest. It is just a team building thing. You could, you could, we don't have to go into this, but you could argue like the amount of runs he's gonna take away is gonna make up for it. But you know, like I said, if he's hopefully you said it too, like Teal will be up shortly. I do want to remind you that the Red Sox won 108 games with Sandy Leone playing more games than Christian Vasquez, which I, I, a few weeks ago, which is wild, but um yeah ideally you don't want to have like a black hole in the lineup that said i mean he looked good in triple a he did not look good in the majors i know the you know there were moments but like yeah man just it's it's the uh it's the chase rate he chases so much man it's tough and at this point that might just be who he is because he hasn't even when he was hitting in triple a he was still chasing so right you might just have to accept it's a guy defense first guy with very good speed um, who is a aggressive hitter. He's not going to walk at all. He's going to strike out and just pray that he hits league average. I High floor. He's going to be valuable no matter what. I think he turns into like Ender and Ciarte. Like that's my comp for Sedan Rafaela. Ender. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I think he's going to be like Jackie, like a below average bat who has his moments, plays great defense. Show some love to my boy Sedan. I hope, I hope he's Jackie. I, I don't know. <laughs> there was some tough people, there were some tough times with Jackie out there too. Like we remember Jackie like hitting that grand slam in the ALCS and we remember the hit streak and stuff, but there was a lot of times where Jackie you just like what? Yeah, Pat, you go. What's up? Ender and Ciarte is not an insult. That's a three time gold glover, friend. <laughs> Did he really win three gold gloves? Yeah, he was a stud. Okay. What All was right, his, so what was his best offensive season? Best he offensive like, season? I want to say he was okay offensively for a brief moment in Arizona. And he, was a career two, he was a career 280 hitter. What? Look at this. Career OPS 91, a little bit below average. Stole okay. 20 bases multiple times. Stayed on the field. A little bit of pop. I think Rafael is going to have more pop than that. That's he's the other thing. Is he's Rafael is going to steal some bags too. Best okay. season was 20, 2017. Played 157 games. 11 home runs, 57 RBI, 22 steals, hit 304, yet somehow had a 98 OPS plus. That's, Ooh. dude, I'll, I'll take that. That's good. 
I'll take that. If Rafaela becomes that, you bat that guy ninth. He's stealing bases. He's taking away runs in center. Oh, yeah. Good, Come on. Good ball player, kid. Good oh, ball player. More than a good ball player. If you have a guy who's like slightly below average offensively, but kills it defensively and steals a bunch of bases, like that is. I mean, that's Kiermaier. A, that's a, it's that's a Kiermaier. I yeah, better. Yeah, maybe this Kiermaier. That maybe might be a better comp than Jackie, actually, like a right-handed <sighs> Kiermaier. But what the one thing we can't compare is he's also a sick shortstop. Yeah. I only wish that he could play both at the same time. Then he'd be really that would be nice. That'd be nice. Do any any of you guys have any thought? I we I like briefly brushed over this, but like Kenley Jansen, trade rumors continue. Like any thoughts on that before we hit the enough said? Yeah, that, that was gonna be my enough said, but I'll talk about it now. Um I think this is becoming like a really bad look for the Red Sox. Pitchers and catchers report in like a week. Kenley is 35 years old. He, you know, we know how pitchers are. We're friends with the bullpen. They're creatures of habit. He's got to be annoyed at this point. He's been rumored to be in trades to a million different places. The Dodgers, the Rangers, the Royals, the Phillies. Just get the guy on his new goddamn team. I feel so bad for him because I've never heard a bad thing about Kenley Jansen. He seems like a great dude. He was all about playing in Boston. Now they're shipping him out after a year, which, breaking news, it makes the team worse for 2024. Controversial opinion. So I wish they would just friggin' trade the guy, take the best offer, and like, I don't know. I, why would you want to sign with the Red Sox on a short-term deal if you're a veteran after seeing this? It's so bad, and nobody's talking about it, which is nuts to me. No, that's a great a great point because it's not even just like this is some signing. Like this is one of the best closers of a generation, a guy who has the respect of everyone in this sport, in and around the sport, respects Kenley Jansen. And it's a guy whose word carries a lot of weight. And I, I don't think that what he's going to get traded and, and start talking shit about the Red Sox organization or anything. Like by all accounts, he had a really good experience in Boston last year, despite not making the playoffs. What I want to say for the first time in forever for him. But yeah, I, I think sign if you're if you're a player, you know, maybe a well-regarded player, a good player, and you're trying to sign a couple of year deal in Boston and you see that this is kind of how it went for Kenley Jansen, yeah, I, I would understand if he had second thoughts. And like <laughs> I think that this ownership and you know the organization as a whole has taken a hit in terms of public perception now beyond Boston. And we'll see, we'll see how that's impacted by the Netflix thing. Yeah, 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 fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat, any any thoughts on Jansen before we go? Enough said. Yeah, I mean, it's so disrespectful <laughs> to just string him along. Just get rid of him. Get what you can. Let him go. Let him situate himself before he has to pick up his family and move a week before opening day. I, I would love to have him here, but at the same time, it's it's smart baseball move to not have him because we're gonna suck. So. Yeah. And like, I understand if you're going to reallocate the money and you need starting pitching and a right-handed bat more than you need a closer considering the bullpen is in a place of strength. So I get it from a baseball perspective, but Sammy, I, I agree with, with where you're coming from here, but just the way that it's been handled has not reflected well on the Red Sox. It's a, it's a good point, but uh, let's, let's move to some enough said Pat, Pat, you want to go? Yep. I do. Um, we were talking about it earlier. It is mind-boggling to me why the Red Sox are not just giving out one-year contracts to guys that they can flip the deadline. 
The yeah. Pirates do it every year. The Royals do it every year. The, the Royals got Cole Regans for a role as Chapman last year. Like, you have guys who, honestly, like, there's some guys you can get on one-year deals. We've seen a bunch of them sign already that, like, might make you, like, a semi-competitive team. And if you're not, you flip them. They're just doing nothing instead. Not thinking about this year, next year, nothing. Hey, Pat, it's real so quick, frustrating. Real quick, if, if people aren't familiar with what the uh, Royals did, they had uh, Chapman, like you said, our oldest Chapman reliever, traded him to the um, Rangers, and they got that guy, Cole Reagans, that Pat just mentioned. I don't think it's crazy to say that that kid is better than Brian Bayo right now. And they got yeah. him for a relief pitcher. Right now, yeah. And what you're saying is so true. How can you not be trying to take flyers on guys like this to flip them? That's a great point, Pat. I didn't even think of that. Like, why are you not doing like load up on these guys and flip them if you're not trying to compete? Or maybe you are trying to compete and then you buy. Yes. Fuck, it's man, it's exactly what the Brewers, the Brewers just did it with Gary Sanchez. Like with these one-year deals, they carry no downside. So yeah. It's like I know in 2013 it wasn't they didn't really do this because they signed a bunch of three year deals like they weren't like they signed Napoli and Victorino and Dempster I want to say it was two years and Koji was out I want to say two years but like you sign a bunch of these guys like if the Red Sox signed I don't know Hyunjin Ryu and Jorge Soler or even non horse even maybe Duvall I don't know they sign a couple of these guys maybe you compete and guess yeah. what if you don't then you've got whoever else you sign to go along with. Nick Pavetta, who's expiring, Kenley Jansen, who's expiring, Chris Martin is expiring, Tyler O'Neill is expiring. Am I forgetting one? You know what? That might be it. That might be the plan, though. They already oh, got Gilito. Gilito. Gilito's Gilito, expiring. Gilito, yeah. yeah. So, um, like, you could have, you could either compete or you could have the sell off of the century. So, yeah, Pat, I, I 100% agree. There's no, and Alex Spear had a great article on it. Uh, if you subscribe to the Globe, he wrote a, a good piece on it. And I want to say that he referenced the Reagan's thing. And it, that Reagan's thing should be referenced for low revenue teams that I hate, but the, I don't, I'm not calling the Red Sox a low revenue team, but they're like, that's usually the type of teams that do these things. Like you yeah. said, like the Royals did it last year. Like the pirates are doing it this year. The brewers are doing like all these teams do it. And big market teams really should be doing it. Yeah. Pat, that's a good point. I think the, the Reagan's thing is just like, dude, like that, that kid, that kid could be a number one starting pitcher legitimately could be a number one starting pitcher and they got him for a reliever on an expiring deal do it another one that i found out today today dylan bundy when he was traded to the angels i think at the deadline or the offseason at this point probably four or five years ago do you know who he got traded for i don't like where this is going don't say grayson rodriguez kyle bradish oh, oh. Damn, that was like, my first. That was my first thought. I should have said it. I should have. Like, there's evidence that like these buy low, sell low guys, like just flip them for nothing. They pan out. Like Dylan Bundy. It happens for Kyle Brett. Was he an All Star this year? I believe so. It was top top five Cy Young. Maybe he was certainly up there. He made MLB Network's top hundred list. He was like firmly in there too. He wasn't in the nineties. Kyle like, Bradish. Yeah, fourth place for Cy Young Awards, yep. 2.83 ERA. Granted, he plays in a giant, a newly gigantic ballpark in Baltimore, but still, that's unbelievable. So for Dylan freaking Bundy. Yeah, so look, and, and that's Bundy why was you, you get teams at the deadline who are like, we got a shot here. We really need to add. 
that's when you get those kinds of prospects. I think that happens more at the deadline actually than in the off season. Cause you get that anxiety yeah. that team yes. got to make a move. They got to improve or else they're left behind. And then they give away Cole Reagans or Kyle Bradish or Pat, are you going to say what I'm going to say? I'll let you go first. And if you don't say it, I'll say it. Go. An example of when the Red Sox were on the opposite end of this is when they gave up Lane Thomas for Kyle Schwarber. What? No, 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 no. That was, was uh, Aldo. That was Ramirez. Aldo Ramirez. They did Are give up. Sure? Example. They gave up uh, Espinal for Steve Pierce. Pierce went on to be World Series MVP. That's Espinal, 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 Espinal became yes. an all-star. So, like, the Blue Jays benefit. You know, Espinal kind of fell off. But still, they got an all-star out of a rental. So, technically an all-star. But, no, the other, the other end is what the Sox could have done last year. They could have had Edward for Justin Turner. Justin Turner yeah, was a one-year deal. I can't do that. But they were two and a half games out at the time. I can't. No, I know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they should have made the deal. I was. Oh, I was not opponent of them selling. Just saying, you signed rental Justin Turner, and let's say the Sox were like four and a half games out. Say they lost those two games against the Braves, and they trade Justin Turner for Edward. Like now, we're not talking about Turner for Edward. Like you just you've got Edward in the organization. There's just so many different ways you could go if you have a lot of different one, two-year guys on the roster. We talk to we talk about Edward more than Miami oh, all the time. <laughs> Just to correct myself, Lane Thomas was traded to the Nationals from the Cardinals for John Lester on a rental at like thirty-seven years old. That's yeah, what I was thinking of. That was the rental. Oh, I've got another. I've got another. The Marlins got Jesus Lazardo for a half year of Starling Marte. Yeah, like it works. It works. I got one Stack up these weeks. rentals. I got one. The Red Sox trade for Chris Sale, sign J.D. Martinez, sign David Price, and win the World Series. How about that? Do that. Do something like that. I like that too. I maybe maybe do both. Maybe sure. add aces and get one year guys. Make the team know. better. Just get Jordan talent. <laughs> you can never do bad by your organization by adding talent to it. That's that's, that's the like, moral. It was story. so funny when when the Theo thing happened and people were like. He can really convince John Henry of what to do. I'm thinking, like, what's he going to do? Hey, John, the team is bad. You need better players. You should go what? sign better players. And he's like, what, Sonny? Golf? I'll go play golf. Maybe I'll buy the PGA. I can't imagine him swinging a golf club. Uh, he'd probably shatter like a piece of glass. He's like throws out his shoulder with one swing. He's on the first hole. He like has this, one shot. His best swing ever. It goes like 19 yards. <laughs> don't stop. 19. That's a lot of yards, Sammy. Be careful there. Yeah. That's a lot of All yardage. Right. You want me to do my enough said? Yeah, you go ahead, Sammy. All right. Um, really minor signing. Just kind of an interesting little tidbit. And I don't really have much info on this guy. The Red Sox uh, signed a Giants prospect pitcher. His name is Melvin Adone. And he basically, I watched a few videos on him. The guy is a moose. He's huge. Throws like 300 miles an hour. Has no clue where it's going, which is awesome to watch. Terrifying if you're a hitter. I'm sure we've all in like high school baseball or college, if you played in college, faced a pitcher who threw hard. And he had no idea where it was going. Very uncomfortable at bat. So just an interesting little tidbit. 
you figure this is a guy that the new uh, pitching regime can work with, maybe fine-tune him a bit, get him to throw a few more strikes, trust that fastball. And uh, yeah, so, you know, a little interesting guy to follow. Melvin Adone. And he, every good team has a Melvin. So there you go. Love love a good Melvin. No, I agree, Sammy. Just get another thing good organizations do is just get guys with good peripherals, guys with stuff that haven't necessarily put it together, guys with prospect pedigree, and just see what you can do with them. Especially if you believe in your program, which I'm sure after all the additions they've made to their front office and their their staff and their pitching development program, they probably believe heavily in their program. But I'll I'll go to my enough said. Today, today while we were recording was the NBA trade deadline. Celtics made two minor trades and they made another minor trade yesterday for but it was it was less minor than the ones today. They acquired Xavier Tillman yesterday. And I just I find it so funny because ever ever since Brad Stevens took over, every like you could you cannot put you cannot you cannot fault a single thing he's done. And I think a large reason for that is Wick Grosbeck right now, the owner of the Celtics, has love goggles on for the team. He's willing to do literally anything it takes. He gives he gives Brad Stevens the green light to do whatever he wants. You've got Brad Stevens, a great former coach, a guy who knows how to assemble a team, who understands the value of picks, the value of guys on other teams. He just knows how to build a product, and he's given all of the resources needed to do it. Everyone being on the same page is what allows the Celtics to get their team to the position it's in right now. And they're the hottest ticket in town. Tickets are ridiculously expensive. Everyone loves this team. And you get to the trade deadline and everyone is like thinking to themselves, oh, I want this guy. I want this guy. I want this name that I've heard of. And then the Celtics get Xavier Tillman. And when you look into it, you realize, oh, my God, this was a better idea than anything I thought of. Yeah. Wait, Gordo. Are you uh, hold on? Are you saying that like when the team is good, people are more into the product? Sammy, what I'm telling you is that when you have an owner that puts forth all the resources necessary to compete, and you've got a front office that knows exactly what they're doing, that gets you good players that play the game damn well, that puts an interesting product on the on the field, on the court, wherever you play it. And when that happens, tickets sell. People watch. The team but, is interesting. Gordo, wouldn't it be better if the team was really bad so that the owner could save money? It depends on your prerogative, Sammy. If your prerogative is to only make money and you don't care about what, the way the product on the field looks or on the court, then yeah, sure, save money. That's really interesting. Quick question. Me personally, I don't think it's a bad idea to be bad so you get a Netflix docuseries. That's just me. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> That's true. Dude, there's got to be someone out there. There's got to be somebody out there who thinks this was the Red Sox plan all along. Like they knew the Netflix thing was coming, right? We know that. We know they knew about it. They're not going to get this if they're good. Hard Knocks wrote the formula, bud. They do <laughs> that on purpose. They're doing, they know what they're doing, dude. It's just Charlie <laughs> Kelly, like the meme of him in like the mailroom. <laughs> yeah, the meme, the always sunny meme. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, you- no, uh, Gordo, to, uh, actual response to what you said. Talk about a guy who makes uncomfortable moves. 
How about the Chris Stapps in, Marcus Smart out? I know it wasn't a one-for-one trade. Dude, I remember the reaction. And no, people won't admit this. Excuse me. People won't want to admit this. There were a lot of people who were like, why would you get rid of Marcus for Tingus Pingus? How do you like the trade now? Looks pretty good. And and not for nothing, Sammy, that trade brought in picks that became that one of those picks that they got in with that, they then turned into a gazillion seconds that turned into Jordan Walsh and like a million seconds that they used to acquire in part to acquire Xavier Tillman. So these deals all connect and and he Brad is, is so well thought out. He's thinking down the line, he's thinking near future. He you could see it in his interviews. He was interviewing, I want to say, with Chris Forsberg. Uh, it was either him or the Celtic social media team. And he said, yeah, we our cabinet of second round picks was incredibly bare. We needed to add to that because those can be used as collateral at the trade deadline. Like that's how you make midseason moves is with those second round picks. So that's one underrated aspect of of the dealing that we've done here. And get that. You see the benefits now. I don't get the second round pick value. I feel like those hit like two percent of the time. Like what is the No, value? never, yeah. I'm clearly wrong because they definitely have no, you're, value. You see it you're all not day wrong. Time. But it's like Sammy, if if you're you've got an expiring player, like you would never as a team, you would never trade a first round pick for the expiring player. So you gotta get the most you can that's not right. a first round pick. And it's I guess it's just seconds. Yeah, I guess it just makes trades fit better, you could say. You know, like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's like, yeah, you said it. They're not going to trade first. So then the next best thing is you get a bunch of seconds. Okay, makes sense. I guess they're yeah. like really crappy lottery tickets that once in a while will. Who's a good second rounder? Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Okay, never mind. Give me all this. <laughs> <laughs> he, was like a, he was like a later second round pick, too. He was like in the 40s. I could yeah. see that, though. He's so, he's so, like, is so sloppy looking the way he moves. But then you see yeah. him play and you're like, oh, wow. He's probably the best player in the world. He loves yeah. horses. <laughs> All right. Also, one one more nugget before or note before we wrap up. This like has not been talked about in a while, but that like the Netflix series thing, they're doing something like that on basketball, and they're following around a few individual players, and Tatum's one of them. Like yep. this, this came out like a, a little while ago, and it kind of, like <laughs> we're gonna get to learn so much about all these guys, all these athletes in our town. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me. Like, I'm just such a sucker for that stuff. But like, oh, so cool. And we got the Pats documentary coming out in a week about the dynasty. Like, oh, Dude, I'm that, all in on this shit, man. That I want to see. That's cool because the Patriots are so, like, secretive. Where they were with the Belichick and Brady era. So that'll be cool. I'm excited to watch that. That gets me going. Let's Old school Pats. Not even old school. The dynasty Pats. Give me all that. I'll watch all the documentaries and I'm... Can't wait to talk about it with all the non-Patriots fans who are probably sickened by it. So let's go. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, we've been uh we've been talking and we're gonna stop talking. This has been episode 37 of Play Tessie. Before we log off, before we sign off, before you click on to something else, remember hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on the Odyssey app, if you're on Spotify, Apple, if you're watching on YouTube, did I forget one? Not something. I don't know. Wherever the hell you're listening, hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars. It all helps us out a ton, helps you out a ton too, because you get to know when our episodes come out. We know you want to listen to them. Get that notification every time they drop. Listen to these gentlemen's fine voices every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So yeah, hit that subscribe button, helps everyone out. Everyone, everyone wins. But we appreciate you all listening. We love, we love talking, getting in here, talking some socks. Doesn't matter the time of year, in season, off season. 
we live this game, we live this team, good and bad. We we're forced to live it, and we love it anyway. So appreciate you all tuning in. This has been episode 37 of Play Tessie. This is Gordo, Sammy, and Pat signing off. Toodaloo. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.